So, hey, everybody, I'm Mike. And I'm Adam. We're from Social Studies. It's a comic, socialstudiescomic.com. And you're listening to Pop Culture Addicts. Welcome to Pop Culture Addicts, the weekly show that brings you interviews and discussions with people in our pop culture world. You know, that means we get to talk more about movies, more music, more video games, and more. <laughs> Don't miss a week. You never know who's going to be our next guest. So, okay, addicts. Are you ready for your pop culture fix? Welcome to Pop Culture Addicts. Our guests today are the creators of a comic book series called Social Studies Comics. Uh, comics that are drawn and written from some real life experiences and from some that we will call altered perceptions. Uh, so we're kind of excited to hear about what's all entailed with that. But we're very happy to have Mike and Adam here with us to talk about their comics, their influences, and maybe even a little bit of what we can expect from them in the future. So, Mike, Adam, thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks absolutely. Thank you. So, yeah, let, let's let's talk about your comics, Social Studies Comics, an independent comic book series uh, that's clearly uh, on the rise and kind of an exciting thing to watch. So if you would... Uh, tell everybody about your comics, some of the characters that they might love and, and where they can find them and go buy them. Uh, well, we had met uh, when we were 14. Our, actually, our first issue has pretty much how we met with the two characters running into each other. Uh, I was late for Earth Science and the only open seat was next to Mike. Um, he was drawing a space marine from StarCraft, which I loved, and we basically hit it off right there. Um, we did comics unofficially, kind of just for fun, like composition notebooks when we should have been paying attention in class. <laughs> And this is kind of a stable of characters that Mike had since he was, you know, for, forever he's been drawing comics. And it wasn't until, was it 2019 we started? Yeah. Or, yeah, like early 2019 when we're like, let's do this thing for real. And our first one came out in early 2020. Awesome. So you want to talk about the character? Oh, sorry, Tim. No, so was it uh, pre-COVID or post-COVID before it came out? Uh, I think it, we started getting serious pre-COVID, yeah. Um, January was our first, January 2020, we actually released our first issue. Awesome. So right before the end of times. Excellent. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Great time to launch, right? No cons to yeah, sell exactly. it <laughs> uh, Who needs that? <laughs> so a lot of characters were um, were just kind of, they were influenced a lot by like 90s era Nicktoon style characters. I mean, anyone that grew up in that era, if they look at ours, I kind of think, We've had a lot of people look at it and say, oh, this reminds me of, you know, Doug or, uh, you know, Recess or something along those lines. Just those genuinely awesome cartoons that we all had growing up. And uh, so the style kind of derived from that. Um, the characters themselves, you know, especially when I was younger, kind of developing them were more just faces. They, they didn't really have much personalities until Adam and I really sat down and started hashing out, you know, who was what. Um uh, what their personalities were going to be like, how they were going to develop. Um, and, and in a kind of, there's, there's nobody who specifically assigned a personality. Like one is me, one is Adam, one is, you know, my older brother, whatever the case may be. It's more just amalgamation of all of our, uh, our personalities that will take like the, the confident sign of, of our personalities and put it into one character. And we'll put the, uh, maybe the angry side into another or the, the insecure, very shy side, which was a lot of me growing up in kind of the main character, Lenny. Um, and that's kind of how we developed the characters instead of just assigning them to a specific person. I can definitely see the looking at your, your style, looking at your pictures. I've got it pulled up 
on the screen here. Yeah, yeah. I definitely see the Doug and the recess and Pepper Ann and. Yeah, I saw Ed, Ed, and Eddie personally. Oh, but... yes. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, Pepper Ann's a new one, though. That's cool. I love that show. I love okay, that's that. That's a solid one. I'm, I'm kind of glad that I wasn't far off on that then. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so usually when people think about comic book creators, they think that of the writers being separate from the visual artists. But mm -hmm. you guys seem to share the writing duties and then handle different aspects of the visuals as well. So did that develop naturally or was there like a, a competition early on on who was the better artist? Um, it it kind of developed naturally in the sense that uh, Adam was always a better writer than I was. Um, and I mean, no offense, but I was always a better drawer than he was. So um, no offense at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the funny thing is I don't really shine in the color theory aspect of things. So originally we were going to do either just uh, plain inked lines. Uh, then we thought about maybe doing black and white, just grayscale. Mm -hmm. But Adam, uh, Adam looked into it and kind of started taking some classes on color theory and photo using the color in Photoshop. And he just started knocking out what we had done in, in full color. And we're so happy that we actually went that route because it really gives it so much more life. So it does. Um, yeah, yeah it, it's a great, great change we made to it. Um, and the, the writing, Adam would generally will come up with a script and then we'll probably spend a week, about two hours on the phone every day that week, just going over it and figuring out what we're going to change, what we're going to add. Um, and he kind of writes it in the style of like a, well, like a sitcom script. Mm -hmm. And it, he writes it really well to where I don't need him to lay anything out. He just writes it and I can look at it and translate it into the, each panel. We kind of um, like write and create it for animation, even though it's not animation. So the script that comes out like a animated script, like any TV sitcom script would, with just enough descriptors, because Mike and I are usually on the same page with like everything. We've never once been on completely opposite ends of the spectrum with something. Um, and when he does the comic, the layouts, you can almost read it like a storyboard for an animated episode. And that's, that's kind of what we were going for, because it gives it that life and... Mm -hmm injecting energy into a still image so that's kind of what our theory was on that that's cool that isn't something that i would i mean i'm i can barely draw a straight line um <laughs> so i the idea of writing it so that it is more storyboard-esque feels like it, it i mean it makes sense to me it would make it so that it feels like the story flows a little better too mm -hmm. that's cool thank you yeah and i think it also lends it to become something more down the road if if that were to happen you're you're ready made you're you're set and you're ready to go it's not just you know i think sometimes when there there's trouble with adaptation between you know comic to cartoon to you know to the animated side of things because uh trying to get that story in place it's one thing to have have you know it written but it's a whole other thing to have it storyboarded storyboard is 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 a great idea and i think that that's a really genius idea from you guys uh to do it that way oh thank you Thanks. Yeah. Uh, fingers are crossed that one day it does become animated. So that's our goal ultimately. Yeah, that'd be cool. You know, <laughs> I, I think too, and I, one of the things I, I picked up on uh, as you guys were talking, it's pretty clear that you guys understand what your strengths are and, and, and what your, your weaknesses are. And I think that's always the good sign of a good duo when they can work together. Uh, because sometimes there's power struggles as to who's doing what, and I'm going to do this, and I'm, you know, but it seems to me just, you know, from the couple minutes that we've been able to talk with you guys here, you guys have a pretty clear understanding of, of you know, yeah, I can do this, but he's better. Oh, and, yeah. I, and, 
And I think that's that's really, you know, a good thing. Has there ever been a time where that wasn't the case for you guys? Where you, you, you did, you know, is that something you've had to work through or did that just come naturally? I think it came pretty naturally because like, you know, like Adam said, we've known each other since ninth grade of high school. It's not, uh, it's not like we, we don't understand how each of us works on, on every level at this point in our lives. So, uh, I think the, in terms of butting heads, no, we really never have. Um, I think the only thing we've ever come across is every once in a while, Adam's got to put a boot, you know, where just to get me to get some stuff done here and there, but that's, that's about it. It's actually, it probably makes for a little bit more boring uh, podcast conversation about how smooth things do run along. But it's even like if we have a script that's more talking, the script's a little bit longer and there's a little bit less leeway for Mike to kind of add in some physical comedy here and there. But then on the other side, if we have one that's largely action and, you know, really fun, but it's them doing stuff, I can just write, like, take a few pages and have them do this activity. But in the end, we need to end up here for the next scene. And then he could just go wild and have fun with all the physical parts because he's thinking and drawing where I'm thinking in words more. So not only are we not arguing, but we're kind of leaving each other room to compliment <laughs> each other. No, I think that's really good. And and frankly, I, you know, as far as Kathleen and I are concerned, I think, uh, you know, we're always more interested in, in you know, the development of the story and how people got there and, and things like that. So uh, it's not so much as looking for drama. It's more for us trying to understand how you guys work and, and, and the ways mm-hmm. you work. And, and so that's, that's kind of the interesting side to me. We're, we're very story driven and we like to, you know, to hear the stories of people and, and what they do and how they do. And so, you know, finding out how you guys work and how you function, uh, that's part of the process. Mm-hmm. Oh, very cool. So um, we, no, go ahead, please. I was going to say, we could go further into that if you wanted to. Yeah, please. Yeah. Uh, So like the inception of a story, say, is one, we try to keep it pretty balanced for our main characters. Like, oh, we just did a few issues that focused on Lenny. Let's, you know, give Iris a story. Let's give Roy a story. Uh, So we decide kind of like whose turn it is. Uh, And some of them get more than others just because that's kind of where the overall story is. So we'll say, okay, we need an A and a B story. And then that usually lets us have the whole gang involved, even if they're not all involved together all the time. And the A story will be, you know, probably 70% of the book where the B story kind of fills in the blanks and gives us something to cut to. And if the A story gets a little bit heavy, which it's always pretty light, uh, but if it does get like a little bit more on the dramatic side, we try to go that much further into it being goofy on the other side. So no one you know, you don't want to read issue four and be like, well, the first three were funny and now I'm depressed. What is going on? <laughs> <laughs> so we'll kind of break the overall story together and then I'll go off and write the actual script and then I'll send it to Mike so he can read it and come up with his ideas. And that's what he was saying when we're on the phone like two hours a day. And, oh, instead of that joke, what if we put this here, or put this joke over to this person? It seems more their personality and really fine tune it that way. I That's think cool. the, the most fun aspect of it, though, is when you get that aha moment where we'll have however many episodes done, and then we're we're kind of stuck on one, thinking of what ideas we can do, and then we'll something will click where we're like, wait a minute, we can reference this all the way back to this first episode or second episode, and and sorry, we call them episodes at this point. We don't really call <laughs> them perfect. issues, but you know, we've always called it. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, and it's almost a game changer for like the future coming episodes. Uh, like the one we're working on currently, it's, it's, they're, they're all going snow tubing, right? 
and it seems like it's just going to be a fun, goofy, they're messing around on the mountain, but we actually came up, we kind of were talking to them like, here's, here's what we're doing, here's what we're doing, and then all of a sudden we're like, wait a minute, remember when this happened? We could reference this there, Perfect. and that changes the whole dynamic of relationships, personalities, everything, and it was like, we were on the phone, like jumping up and down, like, oh, yes, we finally <laughs> figured it out. This is going to be this. This is going to be a filler comic. And now it's like an important aspect of the, the, the you know, the chronologic order of everything. It's like this. This is awesome. So it's always fun to hit that moment. That's great. I think it's good when you can uh, as as storytellers where you can whether you're visually telling the story or or you're writing it with words. Um, and in your guys case both uh where you can reference back to something you know it's almost you know we we talked to uh another author recently um and it was almost the aspect of you know the, you know kind of the thought of the easter egg where you have you yeah. plant that little piece in and it, and it harkens back to something else and and you know something that maybe you guys put it there maybe you know some of your readers will catch it some of it some of your readers will take time to catch it and you know maybe it's pointed out by other people online that hey did you read this uh, you know, and social studies had this on this issue, but you know, they're talking about this episode, you know, so yeah, oh, absolutely. I actually like it when you find those little Easter eggs and things and you go back and you're oh, like, yeah. whoa, 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 how did I miss that? I love that. Love that. Good. Cause that's what we're going for. That's Excellent. awesome. That's awesome. Like, well, because it, it makes it a continuous story. It's not individual stories, which I mean, individual story arcs are fun too. But then when you have that, no, this is this is all one big story. This is all one big universe. It's cool to have that that reminder. And to sh I feel like for me, it shows that the writers behind the story are really involved in what they're writing, that they're they're willing to put that effort into it for mm -hmm. their readers is yeah. really cool. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, shows shows interest in your own story. I think that's really good. Totally agree. All right, so we talked a little bit about your backgrounds and your backstory, how you guys met and, and all those things. But what, one of the things I want to focus on right now is, um, you know, like I said, we're interested in people's stories and how they got to where they are and, and everything. And part of that story are the influences that got you to where you are. Um, so if you guys could for a moment, you know, take some, take a couple moments and talk about who were your, your influences growing up, whether it was in the comics, whether it was writing, you know, or vice versa, uh, you know, in the comic book world, were there influences in there or were there outside influences and it just angled towards comics? Well, kind of like what I said in terms of the actual like designs and, and, and styles, obviously just lots, a lot of cartoons growing up. So that kind of helped me get into mm -hmm. where it was, I was going with the designs, but um, I will say one of the most influential artists out there for me was uh, Bill Watterson, who did uh, Calvin and Hobbes. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, yes. I, I have every one of them, you know, before the, the age of social media, that was, yep, that was how, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's how I spent my time reading that. And uh, still have them. Oh, yeah. I've still got them somewhere. They're, yep. <laughs> they're, there's the whole set of them. But mm -hmm. uh I loved Calvin and Hobbes. I love the style he used um, where it's cartoony, but it's also, it's also very almost photorealistic, really, if you think about it. Yeah. Um, his backgrounds are amazing. Um, they're simple, but they're amazing. Mm -hmm. And, um, and for me, in terms of comics, believe it or not, I, I was never really a big, you know, superhero Marvel DC guy, but I was big into the, uh, like dark horse person aliens. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. That stuff, you know, so that was, if I wasn't drawing my character, I was, I was drawing Predator and Alien 
you know, that's most of my notebooks growing up. And then <laughs> you might find some World War II notes in there from history, but that's about the only portion that I found interesting. So everything else was xenomorphs and predators. But yeah, it was uh, that that played a big role in in getting me into comics. Uh, for me in comics, uh, growing up, it was the, the 90s run of X-Men, which, uh, I mean, maybe mm. just because it was my era of X-Men, but I think it's the best era of X-Men in comics. <laughs> I love that era of X-Men. <laughs> but I didn't have access to a comic book store, so my comic collection was on a summer day when I would ride my bike through neighborhoods and find garage sales, mm. and I happened to have enough quarters to get a comic book. That was how I got them, so... I, I can't even name an artist or writer right now, which is really shameful being in the comic world, but <laughs> that, that was the era of story that I was into. And that spread, you know, I liked Captain America and I got into some Thor stuff. It was kind of really mm -hmm. piecemeal, whatever I could grab. And then when I got older, it switched over to, you know, Batman mostly, because that was always more of a dark kind of serious comic. Mm -hmm. Right. And of course, you know, the big ones that everybody knows, you know, like the long Halloween and the Dark Knight Returns and those, you know, like huge seminal Batman books. But then to kind of go back, uh, the Nicktoons was a huge influence and I was always obsessed with movies and I would watch whatever I could. It didn't matter if it was boring or if, you know, I was a kid and I thought it was more for girls and I watched whatever my sister was into, just I wanted to absorb every story possible. And that kind of led me into more weird writing. Like uh, Neil Gaiman's a huge writer that I love. I oh, love yeah. everything Stephen King, mm -hmm. which you do not see that in social studies at all. <laughs> oh, but, but it would be to, fun. <laughs> just to take the fantastical and make it so grounded and real is kind of what we're trying to do with this or what I'm trying to do in the scripts is, Yes, this is a goofy 90s era Nicktoon inspired comic about just people having fun and getting into trouble. But we try to put truth behind every character. So those story influences really stuck with me that you can do two things. I love that the influences are like things I actually understand and things <laughs> that I, <laughs> I am also the 90s X-Men, the 90s Batman, the I love that that era of storytelling. I was mm -hmm. more into the animated TV shows than the comic books, mm -hmm. but even those were awesome. But that's kind of a perfect example. Like Batman, the animated series, it was a goofy Saturday morning cartoon. Actually, I think mm -hmm. it did debut in primetime and they moved it or mm -hmm. the other way around, but they took that so serious and played it so straight. And that's why it's still as popular as it is. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. So after working together as long as you two have, there have obviously been some changes in the, the tools that are available and how art is distributed, for better or for worse. So what have you guys seen as the biggest changes in your creative process since beginning your comics? Oh, man. we Yeah, that <laughs> we went full-blown digital, but we were originally, uh, it was pencil on bristleboard, and then I used just Indian ink and we were going to do it basically that way, uh, just a page per bristleboard page. Uh, and eventually we kind of realized like how it's going to be almost impossible because we have to ship these back and forth to each other. And mm -hmm. how's he going to put the speech bubbles in this and that. So um, we ended up scanning what we had done. And from there, we thought maybe we would just use it as is. But then it was like, well, some of these scans are low quality. Some of them kind of given me a weird shadow on the page. And we ended up just going full-blown digital. 
Um, so it's, you know, whatever I had done that was hand-drawn, we scanned it and retraced everything with digital ink, uh, I should say like Photoshop, but, uh, and then I would send it off to a, uh, a Google Drive, Adam would pull it out the drive and he would go and do the color and then do the speech bubbles. So it had kind of evolved all the way from hand-drawn. And nowadays, everything's done entirely on Photoshop. I start with, you know, just a layer to do the sketching out and then ink it from there and send it over. And it's actually saved a tremendous amount of time. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, Technology is pretty critical because we're on opposite sides of the country. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that would definitely make things more difficult. I thought it was hard <laughs> enough with Tim and I being on opposite sides of a state. Opposite sides of the country... Makes it a little more hard. Yeah. <laughs> the shipping alone would be a nightmare. Every time he got like three pages done, I'd have to put it in like a poster tube and yeah. Oh, yeah. Bucks yeah. And <laughs> right. And depending on which mailing service you use, it'll either be there in three days or three weeks. Or not right. at all. Depends. Or yeah. not at all. <laughs> That's even worse. Original art gets lost and it's like, well, redo them. Yeah, it's fine. Just fax it over. It'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. What's a fax machine, Tim? <laughs> You know, go back to 1990, you'll find one. Yeah, that's a legit question to a lot of people nowadays. It is. It really is, which is kind of sad because yeah. they still exist, like which is also kind of sad is. on its own level. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a double-edged sword on it is. it is. I don't know. Sorry, tangent. Showed my daughter a, I showed my daughter a three-and-a-half-inch floppy disk the other day, and she had no idea what it was. I read somewhere someone showed their kid one, and they said that they were impressed that they 3D printed the uh, save symbol from their computer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. You probably could have put a word on it now. I mean, my daughter's, my daughter's three, but I'm like, Honora, do you know what this is for? Do you know what we use this for? And she goes, no. I'm like, it's... A doorstop? I don't know. I'm like, it, you put it in your computer and you can save things on it. And she's like, why? I'm like, yeah, never mind. Yep. We'll go back to a couple of years, maybe. Ah, worry about it. Yeah, she's and got now cloud it's a, computing. And now it's a coaster. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, guys, we live in a world uh, full of major companies, major comic book companies. Uh, but there's also an absolute ton of independent guys like yourselves fighting and vying for that space. So, in your opinion, what is the role of the independent creator in the comic book world in this space? I'm not even sure if that's just limited to comics because it seems like independent creators is kind of the way of the future. Like you don't have to be tied down. I mean, just look at the streaming services compared to network TV. Like the best shows are no longer on CBS, NBC and Fox. Like it's agreed. It's all the streaming services putting a billion dollars into the wheel of time. And like, mm -hmm. it looks incredible. You're not doing that on network TV at 45 minutes an episode. Right. Um, so I guess to get back to comics, because that was your question, uh, it seems like the big two are really, really struggling. Like you hear the inside industry information and it seems like they're just trying to catch on to any passing trend to sell that issue 10 more times than they did the week before. But there's no there's no real long term planning. It doesn't seem like anymore. It seems like they're just throwing things at the wall. Uh, so I really feel like Indies is the way to go, because not only are you not tied down to that, but we can write whatever we want and there's no one saying like, Oh, well you can't write that in Batman because they did that in Aquaman, you know, two months ago and it didn't work or they had a similar story in this. And we're not really beholden to anything. Yeah, I would agree with Adam. I think it's uh, just the, the freedom you have 
to get your voice, your creativity out there um, versus, you know, a network telling you, no, mm -hmm. you know, that doesn't go along. Um, and, and to me also, the other thing is, you know, how, how much can you push the, the, those, those same things? You know, it, how different can the stories be with the same characters that have been around since the 40s? Um, it, it's and then if you gonna, do change them, people rip you apart anyway. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so <laughs> take that comic book fans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not on the especially, internet. <laughs> especially on the internet, yeah. No, no that, that never had anybody. No, it's all gumdrops and lollipops yeah. over there. <laughs> My I feelings the, already the hurt from whatever is, um... comments people are going to leave. So <laughs> I haven't even seen them yet. As long as you're just preemptively hurt, it'll hurt oh, yeah, less. No, it I'm, actually happens. I'll go I'm into it sad and hopefully come out less yeah. sad. Huh? It won't just don't happen. even look. Just we'll yeah. keep making the book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the best example is probably The Walking Dead. I mean, that's a completely independently owned and operated book, and he did it his way. Mm -hmm. Like the way he did the last issue where he didn't announce it. He said it after the fact because he didn't want it to be something that comics bookstores ordered 10 more mm -hmm. times of to put on the wall and – jack the price up by 500 percent. Right. he just wanted it to go out there and let people experience it That's there's cool. no way you can do that if you have a huge banner you're paying for true that is true Very and true. i think it's cool too talking about the walking dead thinking about the walking dead that it's an independent story but then it did get picked up by a tv mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. that is that is a possibility for independent artists that they they could possibly follow in those footsteps. That that's oh, yeah. still that's still a potential. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. you've got the creativity, you've got the, the push and people like it enough. Anything could happen. Conversely, uh we're we're feeling without anyone backing us up, we are both horrible at marketing. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> we understand that. <laughs> that makes it really tough. I'm really just the face of this operation. I, I, there's no brains behind this. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll say it right out there today. There, there's nothing. <laughs> That's why we keep John around. Yes, it is. He edits. He researches because I can't. <laughs> I can right. talk to people, but that's about it. Well, so, so can Fair we, enough. but we just, I just, we're just, I'm just terrible at self-promoting i guess mm -hmm. that's the thing like i hate jamming stuff in people's faces i'm just like hey if you want to read it read it you know and, and just I, kind of stare at the floor like you know tell me no but i feel like that's, that's a 90s it. kids thing too is that yeah. we're like all of us have that that social anxiety of the i did a thing yeah know. neither of us are, yeah. are too big on social media either so I mean, I've even been forgetting to make our post, but when I do post, I'm like, I don't know what to say. So I'll put up a picture and something that's probably not all that clever and like six people see it. And I'm like, great, that's that's huge. <laughs> Although one thing Adam's been doing that I really like is uh, when we, especially on weeks when we don't have any like major news is uh, putting up old drawings from, mm -hmm. you know, middle school or high school. That People do oh, like that, yeah. yeah that's and smart. It, and to me, I actually really like it too because it shows how much uh, I've improved over the years as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that to me is important, I think, cause you know, if you're, if you're trying to get into it and you're struggling, it's just like, Hey, just stick with it. Keep practicing, do what you can. And, and you'll eventually keep getting better and better as time goes on. I think it's funny for our, for our group, for pop culture addicts, it's the Gen Xer. That's the social media one. And on TikTok mm -hmm. making videos about the fact that we have podcasts coming out and you have the millennial who's just like, I'm going to hit reshare on this tweet that yeah. counts, right? I'm not going to actually type anything else. That's what we I, need. We need to find a Gen Xer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, seriously. They're helpful. They're very, very helpful. I have it on recording. Yes. 
Well, see, okay, <laughs> technically there's two Gen Xers on this team. The other one's just not on camera. Mm. So you're both helpful, and I appreciate you both because this millennial <laughs> has no idea what she's doing. <laughs> when we talk to actors, we ask them what their dream role is, usually referencing something in the MCU, DC universe, because those are big universes. But if you guys were given the chance to have social studies comics be some sort of long streaming, long form streaming TV show, whatever, would you guys want it to do it live action or animated? And who would you have as your cast? Who would you do as your voice actors? Ooh, that's a good question. We've never really thought of that much, have we? Not that deep. No, we want to get to animation, but definitely animated for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, that's that's without question. But wow. As far as picking voice actors, I would personally kind of want to cast young, not maybe not quite age appropriate because casting a 14 year old might be hard because then by like season three, the characters are still 14, 15, but then the actors 17, 18. And right. And they and they start off talking like this and then they're talking like this. <laughs> right. Right. Which is fine because our characters are going to age. But and I can say for sure who I wouldn't cast. And that's myself. Yes. No, I want no part but, of that. <laughs> uh, man, that's, that's a really pressure. good question. That's that's a tough one because there's a lot of op- there's a lot of possibilities out there, but I've never really thought of it at all. So I would like to go with little or no name actors to start for all the core, but then bring in people we personally like or inspire us or find funny for like a teacher or a character's only in it for one or two. Mm-hmm. And just kind of like guest roles for the Perfect. the more named people. Yeah, I can see that. Because well, yeah, then it gets people's attention, too, with the, wait, yeah. I know that voice. Yeah. Why do I know that voice? <laughs> right. Yeah, Yeah, you get to have the super cool cameos. I always exactly. think about the uh, South Park episode where uh, What's-His-Face played the voice of the dog, uh, George Clooney. Yeah. And he made like five <laughs> yeah. noises, and that was it. And they cast him to make five dog noises. And it was like... <laughs> Like Alan Tudyk being cast in Moana. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. the chicken. Crazy of all chicken. things, he's right. the chicken. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. That'd be cool. I wish I had more names I could tell you, but honestly, that's, all right. that's, that's hey, a good one. It got you thinking. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, we try to do that every once in a while. <laughs> all right. So, we go from a thinking question to a super silly question. All right. Well, maybe not super silly, but sillier. Uh, so, if you were given the gift of a time machine and you could travel to the future or the past, no restrictions, where would you go and why? I'm going to go with future and probably kind of a cliche answer, but I kind of want to just see when it is we get to other planets. I've always thought that the ability to put feet on another planet would be just my dying wish. I think we're closer than you realize on that. <laughs> That's what I'm, I mean, I'm hoping in my lifetime. We'll, we'll see. But uh, Yours is a lot deeper and a lot less selfish than mine because I would totally go to the future, but then just like spend two hours on the internet doing research and then come back and gamble and invest. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you're Biff Smart. from Back to the Future. Yeah, too, I would just right? Back to the Future too. That's all I would do. <laughs> so just as a, a side question to that, if you're mm-hmm. being given a time machine, do you have a specific kind of time machine that you want? One that we uh, already know exists? Is there one that you're like, I no. want that one? Are we talking, it's going to land exactly where I'm standing when I jump in it, or is this thing mobile? Because if mean, it could be mobile, that'd be that'd be preferred. I mean, well, do you I want like a question. DeLorean, or do you want a, or <laughs> yeah, like a, a DeLorean? Or, or a police or, box from Dr. Right, Hill. that's what I, I was wondering. The DeLorean, yeah. 
Because yeah, when you get, when you get car, where you're going, yeah. you can still travel. That's the big True. Thing. True. What about and you, Adam? keep on my Back to the Future 2 theme, get one that can fly, and you could really do whatever. Oh, but, yeah. Because how great would it be go to go back to, like, ancient Egypt or ancient Rome and check it out? But if you were on the ground, you would just be dead. Yeah, but you'd be messing with a lot of people's heads back then, too. That's flying true. Over them. That's true. So, That's of course, true. that could be what the, uh, you know, what all the Aztecs were painting on the walls and stuff. Who knows? Yeah. The guys <laughs> from ancient travel. aliens already yeah, tried to tell us that it yeah. aliens. <laughs> aliens. Yeah, there's all yeah. sorts of stuff you can't explain. Aliens. <laughs> All right, so a car, but a better car than a DeLorean and uh, gambling. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Figure Fair out which, which markets to invest in. That actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Come back totally with a cure to cancer and be like, hey, I came up with this. Okay, I guess I guess I should do something that's not selfish. Right? That's a good idea. Maybe I'll not come back with some though. cures and sell them for, you know, a bucket dose. Here you go. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Um, a buck fifty, be a little selfish. <laughs> Got to pay for gas. With the Keep it reasonable. There you go. Well, and depending on where you go in the future, who knows what gas prices will be? Exactly. Yeah. Oh boy. They could be anything. Yeah, might not even exist. Not going to be better. <laughs> no. All right. So I have one more question for you guys. Since we all know that all work and no play is not healthy, especially as chronically stressed millennials. So what is it that you guys do in your free time? to help relax and recharge for your next adventure? Uh, for me, I'm big into fitness stuff. Um, I compete in uh, the tactical games. I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's a, yep. like a shooting competition kind of mixed with um, CrossFit. Mm -hmm. yep. um, I, love, I love marksmanship stuff, so, you know, go to the range a lot. Um, video games and, you know, the drawing actually is – it's is an escape as well so you know i can't even count this as work it's it's just something that relaxes me and you know it's a good escape from getting home and just turning my brain off and getting some pages done yeah but i'm in a similar boat um exercise is a big part of it uh my wife got me into jujitsu a few months ago which is Ooh. so much fun um then work and work and work and then when i'm too fried for that i open up a page and start coloring because <laughs> it's it's as close to meditation as i'll ever get well, and I mean, they make coloring books for adults anyway, so you guys are just making your own coloring books. Yeah, we're totally. just doing something unique. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Awesome. Well, you know, guys, we have enjoyed so much talking to you today. Where can our viewers and our listeners go to find out more about your work and what you guys have coming out? Uh, socialstudiescomic.com would be the best place. It's got everything. Um, we just did a crowdfunding campaign that wrapped up a few weeks ago, and a lot of that stuff is going to be added to the website as soon as we have it. I wanted the backers to have it before it's open mm -hmm. to the public, of course. Nice. Uh, but socialstudiescomic.com is the best spot. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I do my best to post on those often, <laughs> but it's not as often as it should be. So I guess the website. All right. Well, we are going to link all of those. We will link the socials as well. And they will figure out whether or not you ever post on them. <laughs> awesome. Thank awesome. you. Thank you, guys. So I want to remind everybody that subscribing is the single most important thing that you can do to help us ensure that we get more amazing guests like Mike and Adam here today from, from Social Studies Comics and have these great conversations that you guys are able to listen to and participate in. So please subscribe. It's going to help more than, than we can ever really tell you. And at the same time, go check out socialstudies.com. It's a really cool website. I had a lot of fun playing around on it. And uh, there's a lot of cool stuff that you can get there. And they've got some super cool merch. 
if you like what they're doing, go buy their merch. Uh, they've got T-shirts and phone cases and, you know, and, and, and. There's a lot of cool stuff out there. So go check that out, guys. And one last reminder. I want to remind you guys that pop culture, it's all around you. Everything we do in life is affected by pop culture. So come back here next week, and we'll have your next fix waiting right here for you on Pop Culture Addicts. Thanks again, guys. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you. That was fun. Thanks, everyone. Hey, thanks for listening to Pop Culture Addicts. If you're interested in being a guest on a future episode of Pop Culture Addicts, you can reach us on either Instagram or Twitter by using the handle at PCA Pod Show. You can also email us at PCA Pod Show at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Copyright 2021 Pop Culture Addicts. Reference to any specific product or entity mentioned on this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation of by Pop Culture Addicts or any of its sponsors. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity that they represent. If you have any questions about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at PCAPodshow at gmail.com.